Welcome to The Dream Season, a podcast for entrepreneurs, writers, and creatives of all kinds looking to finally find some balance in your life so you can get back to enjoying the things you love and even the things you don't love but have to do anyway. I'm your host, Holly Ostara, and together we're going to bring delight, inspiration, and sustainability to your creative flow one season at a time. So let's make this the season of your dreams. things that has been kind of a big part of my late summer since uh, the beginning of July is that I have decided that I don't want anything to have dominion over me. And what I mean by that is I'm tired of feeling like I must do something or must have something before I can do something else. And the two major examples of that are caffeine and, and alcohol. I gave up caffeine when I got pregnant back in um, late 2017 and never really wanted, I never got the caffeine hangovers or any of the withdrawal hangovers um, from it. So I never really went back to caffeine. I will have a, a a coffee with full calf every now and then if we're out somewhere, but I only buy decaf and that's what we make at home. But I stopped actually wanting to make any coffee and I realized that it wasn't anything to do with caffeine. It was that I was just tired of having to have to have it. Tired of having to have to have it. I didn't want to wake up in the morning and say, I cannot start my day until I've had a cup of coffee, even if it's decaf. You know, it's just all psychological at that point. I didn't want that. And then in July, I decided to do what amounted to a dry July. And I didn't go into it going, I'm going to do a dry July. I went into it because um, I have an autoimmune issue and I was trying to do some like heal my gut sort of thing. And cutting out alcohol was part of that. And at first I thought, I just have to do this for 21 days. And then I will realize that this was not the factor that I needed to eliminate from my diet. And I'll be able to have another glass of wine if I want to. And I didn't drink a lot really before, maybe just a couple of glasses of wine, maybe once a week or a couple of glass of glasses of wine a week, which wasn't much, but it was still like anytime I went out with friends, we would have wine or they would have beer and, and I'm gluten free, so I don't drink the beer. But um, what it made me think was that I would be able to go back to it. And then as the days progressed and the weeks progressed, I realized I didn't want it anymore. It was just, it wasn't, I have to give this up so that I can find out if I need to eliminate it. It was, I want to give this up because I just don't want this to have dominion over me anymore. I don't want this to be affecting my ability to say yes or no to a social event or something like that. And so um, I recently connected with uh, Sarah Williamson and she is a sobriety coach and I invited her onto the podcast because I wanted to ask her about her journey making this choice to be sober and how it's affected her creativity. I think that you're going to find a lot of really interesting tidbits in this interview with her. She is full of inspiration and enthusiasm, and it is such a non-judgmental space. And I think that you would be really surprised by how much your creativity can flow and, and grow just by deciding to maybe drink a little bit less and you decide what that is for you. For me, I don't think I want it anymore. We're going on two months now, and I have not felt the urge despite being out with friends in clearly drinking spaces, drinking events multiple times, and I just haven't had the urge. So maybe that will be the same for you. And if not, maybe you will find that having maybe one less improves your creativity. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Are you a spirited, spectacular woman with a message, method, or framework that would change lives if only more people knew of it? Are you ready to grow your audience, strengthen your authority, and attract more clients through publishing a book? 
If so, it's time to bring your book idea to life. As a book coach who specializes in working with passionate, purpose-driven women, I can help you successfully write and publish your first or next book. Through a customized blend of strategy, accountability, writing prompts, and sisterhood, I will guide you to clarify your book vision to attract the right readers, structure your book so that it sends your readers on an exciting heroine's journey that makes them take action when they finish reading, create an energizing writing routine, even if you don't consider yourself a writer, maintain focus amidst distractions so that you get it done in half the time, query your book proposal to agents and publishers with authority, or self-publish your book with confidence, and make an impact with your book post-launch. Don't let your book stay trapped inside you any longer. Let's get your wisdom out into the world. Visit booksandalchemy.com slash coaching to learn more about my personalized book coaching services for women who are ready to elevate their reach and impact and get more clients doing it. This is your season. Let's show the world. Okay, I'm really excited to be here today with Sarah Williamson. Sarah has spent the last 12 years coaching and mentoring people who have struggled with their addictions and mental health. She feels that choosing to change your relationship with alcohol before you hit rock bottom is a powerful and positive choice to make. She's passionate about spreading the message that our lives can be joyful and fun on the other side of our drinking careers, and there's no need to feel lonely, stressed, or bored on this journey. Sarah is a coach, trainer, public speaker, writer, podcaster, and published author. Really excited to have you today, Sarah. Thank you so much. Lovely to be with you. Oh, great. So um, when we connected, I was really interested to hear about your journey um, to sobriety because um, in July, I decided that I was going to do dry July. And I would not say that I'm a heavy, I was a heavy drinker, but I would have a glass of wine like probably twice a week. And, um, and my friends, of course, you know, I have friends, we have our kids are the same age. And so we spend a lot of time together. And then a lot of the time we spent together would be at one of these like food hall places where we'd have a few drinks and the kids would play in this like AstroTurf area (laughs) and they would all have a great time. And I realized during my dry July that I did not want to go back in August. So I think right now uh, and going forward, I am also a sober person and I have not missed it at all. I thought that maybe it would feel as if um, it it was difficult to hang out with my friends when I wasn't drinking, but I've been out with them three or four times now and the urge is just not there. I'm having a great time without having it. So just tell me about your journey there. Congratulations. That sounds amazing for you. Um yeah, I uh, certainly now for me also the urge just isn't there and it feels like a massive freedom. It feels like a real release from a place that I didn't know that I needed releasing from. Um, my journey um, towards thinking about sobriety probably started uh, a little over, well, over five years ago. Um, and it actually took me... Um, a a really long time, a a run up to being able to um, get to a place where I could say, okay, I'm going to try an alcohol-free way of living for a while and see how it goes. Um, At at the point at which I knew I wanted things to be different, my drinking habits were probably fairly what we would consider in the UK to be standard Um, I didn't necessarily drink every day of the week. Um, Certainly, I might have had a G&T on a Thursday night. I might have had a couple of glasses of wine on a Friday night. If I'd have gone out with my girlfriends, I certainly would have drunk too much. Mm -hmm. Um, But that wasn't necessarily a really regular occurrence. Um, I got to a place where I recognised that alcohol was actually taking more than it was giving. Um, Mm. I recognised that the hangovers that I was experiencing, the lethargy, the low level anxiety, the brain fog, all of these things that I was trying to attribute to other things, um, such as getting older or um, sleeping less well or 
perhaps I was telling myself, oh, you know, I'm not looking after myself enough in other ways and and trying desperately to consider things like um, how about if I take these supplements? How about if I just run more, if I do more yoga, if I drink <laughs> more green smoothies, maybe I'll feel fabulous then. <laughs> and it was really, you know, the biggest game changer was actually just choosing to cut one thing out instead of keep adding things in. Um, I went through a long period of what I would, I, I didn't have the language for it then, but what I would now call moderation or harm reduction. I went through a long period where I very consciously chose to drink less than I had been drinking previously. I could see that um, a lot of the narrative in society, perhaps in movies, um, in in television programs, in books I was reading, was about people stopping drinking because they had no choice. There was either a big rock bottom where um, they crashed their car or they lost their job or blew up their relationship or perhaps there had to be a family intervention and a diversion into rehab or, or stories that involved a lot of drama and a lot of energy. And I thought to myself, I I could see that one day a rock bottom might be something that was on my horizon. And I realized I had this opportunity to divert from, from that path that I could choose something different. And in that period where I started to moderate my drinking, cut it right down, was in a situation where I might only have ever had two glasses of wine if I went out with my girlfriends. I stopped drinking at home. I reserved drinking for celebratory occasions like birthdays and christenings and weddings and stuff. And at that point, other people as bystanders, might have said, oh, there's nothing wrong with her drinking. You know, she's fine. You know, nothing to see here. There's, you know, in the UK, we have recommended government guidelines that are not to drink more than 14 units of alcohol a week. I, I was drinking less than 14 units by then. So mm -hmm. you might have said, no problem, crack on. But I very much began to realise that it was a case of not feeling good enough Yes, it wasn't that bad, but it also wasn't good enough. And I recognised that I did feel better when I didn't drink. Didn't drink. Um, so the way that I came to sobriety was choosing very specifically to do a year-long experiment without alcohol. And I thought, if I go into this, I will run an experiment where I will very clearly get to experience the physical, the emotional, the spiritual benefits of being sober, if there are any, because I didn't know at that point whether <laughs> there were or not. I already knew that I could do a dry January or a dry July because I had done them previously. Mm -hmm. So that didn't feel like enough of a challenge for me. I, I felt like I wanted to take a big chunk of time and run that experiment. And then I'd be able to evaluate at the end, you know, has this year been better than other years? Do I now just carry on with it or or will I choose to go back to to drinking? And uh, as you know, you know, that was in 2019. I have chosen not to go back to drinking. I am perfectly delighted with the results of my experiment and therefore it carries on. That's awesome. And even COVID didn't drive you back to drink. So, no, I mean, <laughs> who, I mean who could have predicted that in the first no. place? Um, you know, that was a difficult time. Of course, there were tricky situations to navigate. It, it felt like, I, I don't know if it was the same, your side of the pond, but for us, it felt like, you know, for a long time there, the only socialising potential activities were sitting in your back garden and drinking wine or, you know, meeting of when we were allowed to eventually see people meeting people in the park and drinking wine, you know, mm -hmm. drinking became such a huge part of that time in our lives. People were using it. Yes, of course, um, as, as some sort of social lubricant when they could, but also to numb all of those feelings around isolation, around loneliness, around overwhelm, mm -hmm. 
around the being out of control of a situation where you you had so much taken away from you around the hurt around how you could spend your time or not with your family with your friends being confined you know it was such a peculiar time I I consider myself now lucky to have been able to ride that time without a drink I you know it is no surprise to me that other people found themselves further down an avenue that so easily could have been me. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And how has it changed uh, for when you go out with your girlfriends now? Yeah. Um, I definitely recognize that we now socialize in a slightly different way. Um, so we used to regularly have nights out in our local town that would have involved um, either drinks before dinner or dinner and cocktails, um, you know, would have been based, the activity would have been based around having some drinks with whatever we were were doing. And partly because of COVID, but also possibly partly because of the way that we'd rather spend our time together, we've shifted a lot of our activities to daytime rather than evening, Mm. which lends itself to drinking less in the first place. That's true. Um, so we have really shifted to, as a friendship group, and, and this this wasn't driven by m- my um, choice to be a non-drinker. This was um, a kind of unspoken collaboration between ourselves that we've shifted towards um, going for really long walks now. So we often, instead of booking a Saturday night out together we'll say right this particular Saturday or Sunday in a month's time let's all book that day or that afternoon and we'll do a particularly we'll do a long hike we'll go for 25 kilometers or something we'll pick a route we're lucky we live in beautiful countryside we will very definitely make sure there's a really nice tea and cake shop <laughs> along the way <laughs> and we will definitely be refueling and refreshing um And we have found amongst ourselves that it's brought a different depth to our relationships because we walk and we talk and we discuss the stuff that's going on in our lives in a way that has a bit more meaning because we have found that what used to happen on a night out, we might have had in-depth conversations, but elements of those conversations would be forgotten by the next morning because, you know, you discuss things that seem important, but then the conversation moves on. You forget to come back and check in with your friend about that particular subject that was causing them an issue at that time. Because, you know, that brain fog, that hangover thing happens. You you don't necessarily keep it at the forefront of your mind. Whereas when we are walking and we're clear headed and we remember to come back and pick up conversations that we had previously and check in with each other about how things were when we last saw each other and how things are progressing now. Um, So it feels like we're, without it being an original intention, we're moving on in our relationships with each other and we're better able to support each other. So whilst I am the only one amongst that particular friendship group that happens to be sober. And I absolutely don't mind when we do still go out for dinners and nights out together. I don't mind if everyone else is drinking and I'm not. That happens not to bother me. Um, But I love the fact that now we also have this different way of socialising, which feels really nice to me and doesn't make me feel as if I'm the odd one out on those occasions. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've had so many lovely um, repercussions, is not the right word, but uh, happy side effects from this choice that you've made. And it, it makes you wonder kind of why other people don't do it. And before I decided to do Dry July, I thought it would be really hard. I thought that I would also feel like I'm being left out or I just am not fitting into the group if we're if I'm not having a drink. But when you said that you made the choice not to drink that really struck with me because it's it is such a choice and I don't think we really we don't really clock on to that quite that once you make the decision I don't want it it's different from making the decision that I'm not going to have it and 
I made the decision, I don't want it anymore. And it has made all of that go away. But when I've tried to do dry January before years ago, and I just said, okay, I don't want it. I'm not going to do it this year uh, or this month. It was a lot harder. So I think it's all about how you make the decision to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think a lot of that internal chatter where we consider other people's thoughts, other people's feelings about our choice, it, it really is irrelevant. I, mm-hmm. I know this sounds hard, but other people are thinking about us far less than they actually are. <laughs> so true. You know, and we get tied up in, oh, you know, what's their judgment going to be about me? What will they think? You know, if if I choose not to drink, will other people think that's because I had a problem? Well, you know, a problem, this is all relative, isn't it? You know, what's somebody else's problem is not my problem. What's my problem is not somebody else's problem. And that idea that um, what other people think is actually none of our business. They're going to have thoughts, whatever thoughts they're going to have, they're going to have them. Those thoughts are out of our control. And I think for me, a really key part in all of this, which wasn't obvious to me right at the beginning of my sober journey but is you did become clear as I went along was questioning what my values are what are the things that are really really important to me you know if lots of other things fell away from the side tomorrow I need to know that I am living a life whereby I feel like I'm showing kindness to the people around me that Mm. I'm living courageously that I am trusting my own intuition that I've got a belief that people are innately good, that people are resourceful. These are the things that I really value. If I'm drinking a whole bunch of alcohol and numbing out some of the stuff in my life that feels less than good, I'm also numbing out the stuff that feels really great and missing the opportunity to really live into who I am. Yeah, and and that's going to affect everything in your life from from how you uh, interact with other people to your creativity and what you're able to get done because you can't just stay this constant level numbness forever and expect to expect to be triumphant or or make progress yeah and you know we are sold such a lie that alcohol you know it's something that we turn to when we celebrate all the great stuff and guess what? It's something that we turn to when all of the stuff is rubbish. You know, we serve oh. it at the funeral always. We serve it, you know, when, you know, when your friend is feeling desperately sad, we rock up with a bottle of wine or, you know, it cannot be, if we think about it logically, there cannot be one tool, one drug that serves the purpose of either end of the spectrum. It just isn't possible. It, it's, alcohol is a depressant. It is a toxin that we put in our system. What is the point in drinking all the green smoothies, doing all the yoga, going for the runs, you know, feeding our kids organic, fabulous home-cooked recipes and eating that organic food ourselves if what we're then going to do after all of that is is neck a a couple of glasses of wine? I I would say don't bother then with the smoothies, the exercise and the, the supplements because you you would just be so much better off cutting out the one thing rather than adding in all of those other other things and when we make it as a choice that feels powerful and that is claiming something for ourselves that we don't need to apologize for we don't need to say to us we in fact we never need to explain ourselves to other people anyway but we often find ourselves you know being apologetic if we're not drinking or our friends might say to us, oh, go on, you can just have one. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. why do you need to cut it out completely? You're no worse than the rest of us. You know, this this herd mentality that is around our fear of them being outcast, being an outlier, if we're choosing something different, are we afraid that other people will hold up that mirror and then think, well, what, does she think she's better than us? Or does mm-hmm. she, you know why would she be making that choice? She's making the rest of us feel rubbish. And some of that stuff is painful for us to look at, to consider. It's really hurtful. People do think 
tend to make your decision about them when it's yeah. something like this. And it's, it's not, it's yeah. your decision for you. But I have, I have noticed too, um, when I've been asked, oh, are you still doing that? Uh, I thought that was last month. And, and it wasn't pressure, but it was also like, um, I didn't expect it to still be going. I didn't expect you to hold out this long and it doesn't even feel like that anymore. But um, all super interesting. And um, I would love to know, um, because of this journey that you've been on, you know, what kind of um, changes has it brought to transitions in your career and how you spend your free time? Um, well, you said the hiking and everything. Um, how has it made changes for you in other areas? Yeah. Um, so I would say it, it, it has had a huge impact, um, both personally and professionally. Um, up until um, last year, um, I was still working um, in local government. My my role for the pre 12 years prior to that had been working with young people within the youth justice system, a huge part of which was mentoring and coaching young people around their addictions, their substance use mm. and misuse, which during the whole of that time, I never, ever considered my drinking as something that needed any looking at. Um, I think one of the other myths that we have in society is we talk about drugs and alcohol. If we were being really honest, we would now just say drugs because alcohol is a is a drug. But but we don't because society, you know, likes to keep alcohol as a socially acceptable um part of of what goes on in the world and i could go down a whole big rabbit hole about that with you but uh, as it stands we talk about drugs and alcohol i was spending a huge amount of my time talking to young people about what was going on for them never considering my own alcohol use during that time in 2019 i obviously made this big life change and decided to give this a go um i was doing my coaching uh, other formal co co coaching qualifications also at the same time and I knew that at some point I was going to leave my job in local government I was going to be offered the opportunity to be made redundant um, which actually eventually then happened last year so by that time I had set up my coaching practice on the side I'd been sober for two and a bit years by that point um, I was ready to leave that job in local government and fly solo in my coaching practice so my professional life has changed completely I now work for myself enjoy my coaching clients which I mostly do one-to-one -one. I do a little bit of group coaching I do a lot of public speaking um, I really enjoy um, running workplace events as well I'm really really keen on being able to tell a story of positivity about living a really fun exciting normal life on the other side of drinking because I was in a place where I assumed that if I was going to run this alcohol-free experiment for a year my life was going to be really lonely miserable and boring I just mm -hmm. thought that that is how it was going to be and I'd have to endure it and what a joy and a surprise to find out that <laughs> it wasn't like that um of course it wasn't loads of people knew that already but um that's the biggest change I suppose in my professional life and personally I would say it has brought a real depth of change in friendships and relationships I am so incredibly glad to be able to model a different way of being with my kids um so my boys are 16 and 15 and I am really you, you can tell kids of any age anything that you like but I really enjoy the fact that I can model for them a behavior that is around leading a good life that doesn't require sitting on the sofa with a couple of beers on a Friday night mm. to fulfill that task that needs ticking on a list of relaxing. There are other ways of relaxing, having fun, socializing that I'm able to actually show, show them. Um, and I would say the benefits as far as um, uh, other parts of my life, I kind of do, I suppose, split out into physical, emotional and spiritual, I think it's, we can be really quick to say, oh, you know, um, when I choose to have a break from alcohol, I 
know pretty quickly that I sleep a lot better, that my skin looks clearer, Mm -hmm. that I feel less brain fog, that, um, you know, my hair is definitely glossier through. It's beautiful today. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And then the emotional benefits, we're less quick to talk about them. You know, the emotional benefits, all of those brilliant things around, you know, how I've got so much more emotional energy and capacity for, you know, putting my heart and soul into the work that I love doing and the other activities that I really enjoy and spiritually you know how am I feeling um feel so much more authentic now I feel like I have a real much more developed inner knowing and much I feel much more spiritual because I haven't taken that edge off in other parts of my life I really am able to feel more holistically all the things that go on for myself at the moment so you know I could run you a huge long list of my benefits but I really recognize that every client I work with has a slightly different list of benefits you know other people bring me their you know really joyful stories of what's going well for them and and we do take the time to recognize alongside it as well what isn't going so well because there will there will often be that transition period where bits of it have felt difficult, you know, mm-hmm. awkward, uncomfortable. If it was easy, surely everybody would do it and we would never have any need for any kind of support services. There are support services because often it is hard. Yeah. Can you share some of the experiences your clients have had working yeah. with you? Yeah, I mean, certainly my, my hard experience, I would share first of all, would be, you know, the loss of some some friendships, you know, that is is hard. And Do there you were two... think you lost some of those because they felt threatened or because there was just nothing in common? Um, something else I, entirely? Uh, I think one of the relationships, our relationship absolutely was based upon um our shared love of drinking together and, and almost the permission that we gave each other to... Yeah to drink like you know in a way that then we helped each other to feel normal in our drinking um yeah it was a shared um um permission to each other and and once I had chosen not not to drink um we really just fell out of I suppose alignment with each other and and that happened over a period during the period where I was cutting down my drinking because she did not enjoy the experience that I would then, I would be saying, oh, let's do something else. Let's go for a coffee or let's go for breakfast together or let's do so- something different. And actually the activity that she had loved doing with me was going out drinking. So, you know, there there comes a point at which, you know, relationships, friendships, stuff does change. People don't stay in our lives necessarily forever. And whilst I could tell you now I've got a um, little tiny residual bit of sadness about that loss of a friendship actually for me in my life when I weigh up everything else I'm so much happier you know to be on the other side and yes I've lost lost a friend but actually I've gained so much more Um, Mm -hmm. and you know perhaps that sounds hard to say but but that's the truth of of that situation. Um, and and a different friendship was about a, a complete. Um, I was I was going to say misunderstanding. It's not a misunderstanding. It's me choosing to live my life without alcohol, and her not understanding why I would choose that. Mm. Um, and so her constant you know, I I just don't, I don't understand why you've done it, Sarah. Like, why, you know, t- tell me again, why? Tell me again, what, you know, like <laughs> three and a half years later, still, why are we still having this conversation? I, it sounds a bit ironic to say it, bearing in mind the, the role that I play in life, the fact that I'm a sober coach, but almost the, the bit about me being sober is the least interesting bit about me. Like it's the, you know, it's just a part of who I am, just a tiny part of who anybody is who's sober. We are so much, you know, the sum of who we are is so many different parts that are interesting and creative and exciting and 
you know, we're here in this world to experience all of the good things and taking away that alcohol element gives us a beautiful opportunity to experience all of those things on a much deeper level. So rather than a misunderstanding, perhaps just a um, coming to a place where we just are not seeing things from the same point of view, and that is okay, that that is okay. Yeah, it's okay. And people come and go in your lives. And some of us are, some people are, are meant to be there just for a short time, just, you know, we don't have to have friendships forever for them to still have been important or meaningful. Yeah, definitely. So tell me um, perhaps one of the most exciting things that has happened for somebody who's decided to go sober that you've worked with. I think um, one of the things that has come as a massive surprise to me is the Um, communities of sober people that I have found and the relationships that I've developed through being sober I think because I very much had that idea of being lonely miserable and boring when I was Mm -hmm. going to choose uh, to be alcohol free for a period I hadn't realized that there were other people out there (laughs) fabulous lives I think I'd just been looking down a dark tunnel and thought it was going to be lonely and just how delightful it is to cross paths with other people, make those sober connections, find other people where uh, very often there's not a lot of small talk. I I host um, a number of uh, sober meetups in and around London and Surrey where I live. And I love how we get together and we kind of you know, I'll walk away from a meetup and I'll think, oh, I was chatting to that lovely person. I've got no idea what they do for a job. I've got no idea whether they're in a relationship or not, whether they've got, I don't know, kids or any of those kinds of things. But I know intimately what they've got as their next medium term goal, what they are looking for spiritually, what they are interested in researching next and finding out about. Because we kind of don't bother with any of that I'm not saying that small talk doesn't have a place and I'm not saying I'm not interested in people's backgrounds and relationships and things like that. But I love how a lot of the um, the stripped away stuff, um, it, it kind of doesn't matter because the conversations just naturally come to a place of more depth. And um, I'm, not, I'm not saying you can't have those conversations if you're not sober, but they just seem to come a lot more naturally. And I think if we're in situations where we're meeting new people, where alcohol is involved, we're very much often using that as in the UK, we would call it Dutch courage. Do you call it, you know, Mm -hmm. how, you know, you use alcohol as a, as a bit of a tool, perhaps if you're a little bit introvert to give you a bit more energy around Mm -hmm. other people Or if you don't enjoy big groups of people, you use it, you know, to take the edge off a bit, those feelings of anxiety. And if you haven't had to do with it, any of that, you've just turned up as your authentic self and you're going to tell the truth about you. That is a lovely place to be around other people and a really nice surprise. It is. And the more you do it without that, what we call it liquid courage here, uh, the easier it does get and the less vulnerable it feels. But it sounds like, maybe that without the drinking that maybe these people are having more opportunities and you know less brain fog and they're able to do more experiments and create start new hobbies and things like that do you think that that is something that you've experienced oh definitely you know I think oh and I say it often you know alcohol will take away so many different things but time money and energy you know if you were just to consider though only those three things you know yes, how much money do you spend on the alcohol itself, but also how much money do you spend on the massive stack of carbs you need to eat the next day or the lost day of work, which matters very, very much if you work for yourself, maybe Mm -hmm. not so much if you're employed by other people, I don't know. Um, The money that you then spend on, um, you know, painkillers the next morning or the takeaway food that you have to order, the perhaps you have to have in a babysitter because you've got the worst hangover of your, you know, of your life or, or whatever. All of those costs financial um, of alcohol add up really quickly. The energy that you lose, that's that's obvious. You know, you expend that energy 
on in the evening perhaps when you're drinking or you know during the day into the evening and then you pay the price for that the next day and the time that we spend on alcohol is massive you know if you were to think to yourself I'm doing the supermarket shop right whilst I'm buying the food I'm gonna spend time thinking about which alcohol am I gonna buy for this weekend what have I already got in the cupboard at home what do I need to restock then the time we spend perhaps sitting on the sofa or gathered around the kitchen island with our friends when we're drinking the wine and then the time you know in the night when you wake up a couple of times and then the time the next morning there's such a lot that you lose and when you suddenly have these expanses opened up to you that in an evening you don't get home and you don't walk to the fridge and pour a glass of wine whilst you're cooking the dinner and instead you find yourself going for a little walk after dinner or you find yourself with the energy to listen to a podcast while you're lying in the bath or you take up a new stitching habit or knitting habit or painting habit or you start going to a community class on a Saturday morning because you don't need to be recovering lying on the sofa those lovely different ways and and I think people access that through a variety of you know experimentation you know trying different things seeing if they like it seeing if something sticks what was the thing that you loved when you were a kid are you going to go back to that or are you Mm going to try new stuff Mm -hmm. are you going to experiment with journaling are you going to be creative with words or are you going to be creative in a different you know how would you like to express yourself if you had the opportunity to not be judged by other people just put your private creativity out out how does it feel and you know open up those channels and feel unattached to the outcome I think that's just a lovely lovely way to explore who you then want to become next in life in this place where you've chosen okay I'm gonna take that one thing out of my life what shall I add in what would be a much better replacement it's a really joyful question oh I love that and your enthusiasm for the topic is catching. So I know already that if I ever start to wonder, hmm, should I just have one glass of wine because it's Christmas or New Year's Eve or something, I'm going to think about this conversation. I'm going to remember because it's making me enthusiastic to stay. And I had, as I said, I wasn't feeling like any desire to drink, but you know, something is always going to come up and some event that makes you wonder, should I just see again? And And I don't even want to experience that. I don't want to, I don't want to see, see if I want it again. I just want to be done because I want to sleep better. And I have noticed that my sleeping is so much better. I don't want the brain fog. And um, my brain fog has gotten a lot better. I have an autoimmune issue that makes it kind of foggy, but it's so much better. And um, I have also noticed that I'm just, able to get up earlier in the morning naturally without my alarm clock. And that hasn't happened since, well, ever probably. So, so many good things have come from this. And, and as you said, it opens up so many opportunities for people to add creativity in their life and take back some time that, you know, we don't get our time back. You, you may, you can earn the money back. You can't get the time back. So that's really important to keep in mind. So Right here in the U.S. right now, we are starting school. My daughter just started kindergarten. And I think you guys over in the U.K., y'all are starting soon, too. So it's a really wonderful time for transition. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody listening who wanted to maybe give this sobriety thing a try so they can bring more creativity back into their life? Yeah. Um. I would always say that now is a good time. Um, Mm -hmm. Whatever time of year it is, is a perfect time. We will always be able to make an excuse that is, you know, there's a vacation coming up or there's a wedding or there's a Christmas or there'll always be a thing. So for a start, don't ever worry about anything that is in the future. The, The present is the time that really, really matters. If there's a wedding next month, you can worry about that next month. Right now, the opportunity to make a choice and to choose it really happily and say, okay, I'm going to do something different. Will it bring me a different result? Because we know for sure that if we do the same thing over and over again, we're not going to be surprised when we get the same result. So I think this time of year, 
the new term, new feeling season can really beautifully be ridden on right now for trying something different. So our kids are getting their new school shoes or their new pencil cases or backpacks, <laughs> that lovely feeling of, you know, start, yeah, it's a bit of a starting again feeling. As adults, we can ride on that too and claim our own start again or claim our own project. And this is a great time of year to to do that, to really embrace it. I would never, ever say to you, let's wait until the first of the month. You know, this is a project to start on the first of September or the first of October or, or, or whatever. Just start now. Just start today. You don't need to start it on a Monday. You don't need to, you know, save yourself for any particular reason. You don't need to finish that bottle of wine that is sitting in the in the fridge. You can just pour that down the drain. Yeah, it's probably gone off anyway. Yeah, just let it go. Let it go. If you've got a case of wine sitting in the garage that you think, oh, you know, I can't start this until I've got rid of that that case of wine, leave it on the neighbor's doorsteps. Get just get short of it. You know, don't think to yourself, I have spent money on that. So I must get the value of drinking it. The value is not drinking it. <laughs> I'd also say the value is probably also not giving it to somebody else. You know, I I personally choose not to gift alcohol to other people because I can't, that doesn't sit right with me, but you, you can find a way of, mm-hmm. of stopping making the excuses. Don't put the barriers up for yourself you know absolutely say let's try this change of a season let's go for something new do something different and you know all of those things particularly I think about school terms I I don't know if it happens the same for you but but this term where we run into autumn and we know that the Christmas is Christmas is kind of the end point of it there's such a tendency to um, be in a role that snowballs and ends up with overwhelm over this kind of 16 week period or so Mm -hmm. don't get yourself into overwhelm do the things that can allow you to find space and expansion in your life you know one of my one of my favorite things that I like to do at this time of year is go in my paper diary and put a big cross through every Sunday in December I'm not doing anything on Sundays in December (laughs) Sundays in December are for us just to kick back as a family that is it if you end up with you know endless thing I'm not saying that there isn't fabulous joy to be had in all of the kids and the grown-ups activities in December but choose really carefully what are the things that you want to say yes because they're an absolute yes this fills my heart with joy and would you go to that activity if it was on tomorrow or if you thought about it and that activity was tomorrow and you would right now be feeling a bit mm, twitchy about it, then don't say yes to it in the first place. Find the way to say it, bravely say no, thanks very much. You know, and if it's if the drink, let, let's say the activity is going to the neighbor's drinks, because traditionally that is what the neighbors always do on the, I don't know, first Saturday in December. And it's always a big bowl of punch and sweets for the kids and, you know, carols and whatever maybe it is a fabulous event but maybe you are going to find it difficult because you might be the only person there who is not drinking so just give it a swerve this year you know choose to take your kids to the cinema on that night this year thanks so much for the invitation really sorry to miss it and are you really sorry to miss it you might you might be you might not I'm I'm just (laughs) saying you know use this time of year to keep half an eye on December to really really make the space to keep your goals absolutely achievable for yourself oh I love that that's great advice well I've got a special question for you I would love to know what your favorite thing is about late summer Mm. my favorite thing is the anticipation of what's next I think anticipation is such an underrated feeling we spend such a lot of time in life looking for the next thing you know we achieve something and then we almost don't have a minute to think about it because we're looking for the next thing you know we come back from holiday already thinking about the next holiday Mm -hmm. that we're going to book we take so little time to really be in the moment and enjoy what's what's happening and look forward to anticipating what's next 
So this period right now, I'm focused on thinking about all of the lovely things that have happened this summer, and I'm not thinking about what will occur in summer 2024. And this change of season bit for me is about the anticipation of what will change in the natural world around me. I love the smells that come with autumn. I love the changing of the colour of the leaves. I love the fall of the leaves. I love the colours that are associated with that. I love the smell of a bonfire. I love (laughs) fireworks night. All of those things around how I feel physically about putting on our log burner at home, about wearing woolly tights. I love a sweater. I love a bobble hat. These are my (laughs) favourite outfits in my life. So it's the anticipation right now of the good things that are to come with the change from summer into autumn for me. And sometimes anticipation is just as good as the event itself. Definitely is. Sometimes better. (laughs) Sometimes better. Yeah. So tell everybody where they could find you online if they'd like to connect. Thank you. That's so lovely of you. Um, My website is drinklesslivebetter.com. And on my website, you can find out all about my coaching, um, free resources, where to buy my book, also called Drink Less, Live Better. Um, I mostly hang out on Instagram, which my tag is at Drink Less, Live Better. And I'm also on Facebook under the same um same name so that is those are the main places that I hang out online my podcast is drink less live better also that's available on all of the main platforms and it's a particularly tiny podcast so it's a weekly um released um episodic podcast and generally the episodes are no longer than they're around five to eight minutes long. So they are intended for that moment when you're standing in the kitchen on a Thursday night at about 5.30, 6 o'clock and you're thinking, oh, I've got to cook dinner. I don't know what I'm going to cook. And actually really a glass of wine is what I want more than anything else right now in this moment. You flick on a five minute podcast, have a listen to something uplifting that is going to perhaps distract you deviate you get you into a different way of thinking and hopefully set you back on the path that you intended oh that's lovely that sounds like a really excellent resource well thank you so much for joining me today Sarah it was such a lovely conversation with you it's a real pleasure thank you so much for having me yeah thank you so much for listening to this episode of the dream season I've got just one thing to ask of you please, please, please leave a review on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. All you need to do is select a star rating, and I hope it's five stars, but please be honest, and tap, type, or even voice to text one or two sentences about your experience listening, something you learned, or something you loved. This is the single most important thing you can do to help this podcast succeed. And as a thank you to anyone who leaves a review today, I will send you a free audio guided visualization for each season so you can find your creativity no matter the season. Just email a screenshot of your review to hello at booksandalchemy.com and I'll send you the visualization. Thank you again for listening and remember, no matter the season, remember to dream.